0: Hi everyone, good to see you guys Uh, Well, Happy Easter Uh, We will uh, continue on In the book of Luke Uh, We uh, started on this book uh, On Wednesday As we uh, had a prayer meeting In this book And uh, on Friday We went through the passage On the crucifixion And today uh, We will end with uh, the passage About resurrection So please turn with me to Luke twenty four uh, verses thirteen through thirty nine. Luke 24, 13 through thirty nine. It's a long passage, but it'll be helpful for us to read the whole thing just to get a context and really you know appreciate this as a story. So please follow with me as I read uh, for us. Verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they're talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and one with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some woman of our company amazed us, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he he were going further, uh, but they urged them strongly, saying, Stay with us. while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they are talking about these things, Jesus himself, Stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. That is God's word. Um, let's pray together and go into the sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we could gather around this one book uh, to be united under it, to grow in submission, to grow in more love for you as our Lord. Especially today as we celebrate, uh, you know, have this Sunday apart, to be a special Sunday where we get to remember what the resurrection is, what that means to us. May you uh, impact our hearts with your spirit. God, apart from your spirit, we are nothing. We cannot understand any of these things as we will learn in this passage. So God, work in our hearts even right now so we can hear these words and be transformed and be touched by you. But thank you for your presence here. And lastly, I pray for myself that I'll be humble servant of yours and lifting you up alone. And may you uh, cause me to be very clear uh, in your words so that I can uh, bless the congregation as well as uh, worship you in your name alone. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have three points for you, as usual, to help you follow along uh, in this sermon. Uh, Those points are, the Unexpected Journey, and The uh, Scripture-Based Journey, and lastly, The Hopeful Journey. And the title for this message is The Journey with the Risen Christ. Uh, first, The Unexpected Journey. Uh, so just to give you a context, uh, the passage before uh, our today's passage uh, portrayed the episode of Uh, different followers of Jesus finding the empty tomb, uh, namely the woman, uh, and also uh, Peter and uh, the other disciple ran to the tomb, and then the women actually saw a vision of angels, uh, you know, announcing that Jesus rose from the dead. So now we come to this passage. It says on the same Sunday, same resurrection Sunday, uh, two of these followers, not the two apostles or the the twelve disciples, but uh, two other uh, followers of Jesus, uh, you know, they are traveling to this town named Emmaus uh, from Jerusalem. And he says it's about seven miles away uh, from Jerusalem. It's like like a suburb city, I guess you can call that. Maybe for your reference, uh, seven miles uh, is about the distance between this building and Lake Okay. And uh, so, you know, as you can tell, this town of Emmaus is not close, but it was walkable. And I Googled it, you know, things that I do for preparation for sermon. I Googled this too, uh, for your reference. It takes about two and a half hours to walk uh, to the lake from here. And so you get the idea. It's not, terribly far, but it's not too close either, but it's walkable. Uh, by the way, before I move on, uh, Luke, the, the gospel writer Luke, uh, he loves to mention these geographical uh, names to show that what he's writing is historical. You know, he's a doctor by trade and I think he really co- is concerned about historical accuracy. So by naming You know, the the city name of Emmaus, which was really insignificant town. You know, scholars have a hard time locating, you know, the city. But he mentioned that to show you, show us that this is a true story. And now back to the story. Uh, So as these followers are walking to Emmaus, uh, you know, they're in this intense conversations. Verses 14 and 15, it says, As they walked along, uh, they were talking about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things. Let me clarify some of those words there. The word talking uh, in these verses in Greek actually means intensely conversing. And the word discussing uh, in Greek in in the verse means actually emotionally debating. What that means is Luke is saying that these guys, these two friends who are traveling, are, are not just having a little chit chat on the road. Uh, they're actually having a very emotionally charged conversation uh, because they are very emotional and they're getting really it's getting really heated uh, with one another Uh, and the the reason is this the reason why they're emotional is because of the crucifixion that happened in chapter 23. Uh, these followers are very disheartened by and even troubled by the crucifixion because they along with other followers hope that jesus would be the promised messiah to deliver the nation of israel from the oppression of rome Uh, and and they were impressed truly by jesus and his ministry you know he did a lot of miracles uh and and you know he looked legit Uh, he said a lot of authoritative words so they banked his their hope on jesus they're hopeful but then, all their hopes and dreams got shattered on the cross. He died in front of them. So now, that's why they're emotional. They're purposeless. You know, they are sad and they are lost and confused and all these mixed emotions because you know, they lost their leader. And as they're talking, they're spewing out these emotions to one another. And I would think that maybe some of us could understand their emotions. Maybe a few examples for perhaps young adults who are working. You know, maybe when you hit a dead end uh, in your career, perhaps, and you know you really have no joy in your job, so you feel like you have to find a different job, and you're looking for a job, and you know this process feels so draining, and maybe you feel you know lost uh, over you know. This one career that you've been working so hard for. And there might be some even a sense of despair. Maybe for students, you know, it might be that you know you feel lost because you know you don't know which major to choose, perhaps because the current major that you're in, you don't really like, you don't really have you know a lot of joy and vision in that major. So, you know, you are again sad and feel lost. And lastly, maybe. Some of us, you know, we all perhaps dream of the, you know, romantic relationships and, you know, partners. uh, But then somehow that hope is lost, so, you know, you you feel trapped and really sad. I'm just giving you this example, just to kind of give you a glimpse of what these guys must be feeling, this sense of loss and even depression. And all the things that they've been, you know, banking on and hoping for are, are failing them. And that's you know, pretty devastating. And that's what's happening here. So, in that situation, in, in that kind of emotion that we see, the resurrected, resurrected Jesus comes along by their side on the road. And we see that the disciples don't recognize him right away, uh, probably because by this time, you know, Jesus has a little bit different appearance uh, because he's now. Is having a perfect body in resurrection, so uh, we don't know the details of how different he looked. But you know, over and over in the scriptures, you know, people don't recognize him uh, for that reason. But anyhow, uh, please notice with me how Jesus approaches these two fellows. Verse seventeen, we read, and he said to them, "What is this conversation that you are holding with each other?" as you walk, and they stood still looking sad. Again, they're grieving right now. So notice here, Jesus asks a question. And we'll see in a moment, uh, in fact, a few few verses later, he asks another question as a follow-up. If you think about it, he could have just, you know, shown up to them and, um, you know, as a recent Lord, as the king of the universe, he could have just you know, show himself to them, and I don't know, say things like, you know, "Did you miss me?" You know, I'm I'm right here. Uh, don't feel sad anymore. Feel better. You know, I'm I'm alive. You know, what, what what's there to be sad for? I, I'm here. He could have said that right away. Um, but that could have glossed over the emotional pain that they were feeling, and you know, maybe it could have given them some instant sensation, feeling a little better, but not fundamentally. So by asking questions, then Jesus was really trying to draw out their emotions, meaning he was really trying to help them process uh, the the emotional pain that they were feeling. And what's incredible here is that, you know, during seven miles, right, during 20 half hours, he is listening. He is asking questions, he's listening. You know, in in real life too, you know, when people share some tough things with you, uh, most likely, not all the time obviously, but most likely they're not really looking for an answer from you. They're just pouring out their pain with you because they just want to be careful. So that if you listen, if you ask the right questions and show that you are attentive to that person, you can truly be a healing agent and you know, help them feel cared for and even healed. But once you try to fix their problems, uh, you do the opposite. And Jesus is perfect at that right now, in the situation. You know, though he has all the answers for these two guys, he restrains himself. He listens. He is a perfect counselor in that regard. So the resurrection means is this. The resurrection means that Jesus is alive for what? To care for us. That's what it means. He's alive so that we have access to God, access to him. And he's lending us his listening ears. He came back to life to love us and heal us instead of fixing us right away, force us to do anything that would be harmful. He cares for us. So that the encouragement then is, right now, believing in this reality that we have risen Messiah in heaven and through the Spirit even right now here in our hearts, in our church, we should, we're encouraged to approach Jesus, trusting that he cares for us, and we are honest with him about all our problems and give him all our burdens because he wants them. He wants to carry them for us. And for me personally, in the earliest earliest years of my walk with Christ, a breakthrough point came when I realized, oh man, I can be real with God. And from there on, all my journals, journal, journal entries were filled with many little things, but painful things that I was feeling at the time and finding healing through that process. And that changed my relationship with God. May we grow in that raw and healing relationship with Jesus. Because he has risen, to heal us. The unexpected journey. Second, the scripture-based journey. And now I have to warn you that there's a little twist in the story, like any you know, good story would, but there is a twist. Verse 25. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and a slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And we go, oh, Jesus, I thought you were just going to listen and be nice to us. But that kind of sounds a little mean. You're calling these guys, you know, foolish ones and slow of heart. Well, we saw on Friday in, in chapter 23 that, you know, Jesus always comes from the place of love towards us so that whenever he sounds Firm and even harsh, there is a very good reason. So, even here, too, you know, he is rebuking the disciples rather harshly, and that's because he wants them to focus on something extremely important and to that important thing return. So, verses 26 and 27 it says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he inter- interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is explaining to, the, to these disciples you know, that all scriptures, well, at that time, the Old Testament, the entirety, of, the entirety of Old Testament was about him. And that they should have known that he was going to suffer and die and yet would rise again. They should have known from reading the Old Testament. And that's why he's rebuking. You should have known this. Pay more attention to the word of God. Uh, there, the, the phrase uh, Moses and the prophets you know, is a shorthand label for the entire Old Testament. And indeed, the Old Testament in its entirety is teamed with pictures of the coming Messiah. So let me give you two examples. In Isaiah 53.7, it says this. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before his church is silent. So he opened not his mouth. A perfect description of the cross. Jesus obeyed God's will to die on the cross. And then Psalm 16, 9-10, nine nine it says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to show or let your Holy One see corruption or decay. Just like that, Jesus rose again. He did not see the corruption or decay of his body. He now has a perfect body as a forerunner For his people so the the entirety of the Old Testament constantly look forward to and picture for us the coming Messiah so Jesus fulfilled that we learn about Jesus when we read the, the Bible but the scripture is not just about Jesus just learning about him but also a main channel through which Jesus speaks to us so we turn to verse 32 this is a reaction after Jesus revealed Himself to uh, these to, to, to disciples, and, and they say, they said to one each other, uh, "Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures?" What what a visual uh, you know verse there. You know when, when they realized that Jesus was there, they you know look back and they recollect how their hearts were on fire because you know, Jesus was speaking God's very word through the scriptures. The scriptures, the Bible, is God's means of, means of speaking to us. That's why in Hebrews four 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's living and active. God speaks to us through the written word of God. So the resurrection, you know, in the first point, we said the resurrection means God's healing touched towards us. But here, the resurrection of Jesus also means that the scriptures are now complete, the Old and New Testament. And now we can learn all about Jesus through the Word, as well as communing, having relationship with the living God, living Lord Jesus through the Word. So we hear God's voice whenever we read uh, our scriptures. And that's the function of the Bible that we have. And that's a result of the resurrection. And now, I need you to focus with me here the the point of Jesus sharing this with us. Because it's significant that Jesus is pointing to the scriptures uh, about the resurrection. When he could have just said, here I am, I'm alive. Touch me, which he does later on. But I'm alive. Isn't that good enough? And now, you know, you can have no more problems in your life. You can have a happy life, a you know, trouble-free life. But that's not what he said. He rather said there will be problems because Jesus will be going up to uh, God the Father in heaven. And although we will have the Holy Spirit and we'll have the presence of Jesus in us, in our lives, and yet there will be troubles in our lives. So Jesus wants to give us the scriptures because the scriptures have to be the main tool for them to be grounded and live a life that is truthful and fulfilling. Again, because Jesus will be up in heaven waiting for us, or rather he'll be coming back to us to, you know, completely save us. But till then, we struggle. We need help and that help is the script, scriptures. We need the scriptures. Only we are, when we are grounded, rooted in the scriptures, we can survive and thrive this harsh world. And the opposite of that would be relying on the feelings and emotions and experiences. Those are important. And you know, for these guys, their experience was you know, experiencing the risen Lord, that's great. But they cannot, must not rely on that to survive spiritually. Again, they need something else to ground themselves in. That's the scriptures. And I I like to illustrate this way. I don't know if you're familiar with this tree called the sequoia tree. How many of you are familiar with that? Just a few of us, just you know, fellow nerds here. Um, you know, it is one of the species of redwoods. And uh, it is probably well-known, maybe if you go to the next slide, uh, there's a picture there. It's a very it's a giant tree. Um, you can look it up later by yourself. So, wow, it's a good, good opportunity here. Imagine with me, okay? very big tree how did that happen uh, very big tree and uh, that's what it's known for and, and let me give you some you know okay good job David okay so big tree and it can grow up to 300 feet which is basically the size of or height of uh, the Statue of Liberty in New York so it's pretty big and the, the weight can go over uh, two and a half million pounds. Uh, it can be you know, humongous and huge. And, and lastly, uh, these trees can live for 3,000 years. 3,000 years. And the secret to the size and the longevity of you know, this species, uh, it's you know, root system. The, the root system of th- these kinds. Because the root can be 12 to 14 deep, uh, and it can spread up to one acre, which is basically 70 percent of a football field. It's a a big, you know, area that they take up just for the root, and that's impressive, isn't it? Because you know, as you can see in the picture, I mean, when it gets so big like that, um, there's you know, especially whenever there's any incremental weather and like you know, a lot of winds, it can fall, it should fall. And if you go to the next slide, hopefully this one shows up. Um, there, you see, you know, pictures like this, right? Where trees do fall because, you know, they're not strong enough. But this kind of tree, Sequoia trees, you know, they grow up to the size of of Liberty and yet they do not fall. And the reason is because, you know, the, the root system, they're rooted deeply and widely underground. And like, to me, recently, you know, I think I shared this story in a prayer meeting, I think, and it's been so windy so that I told a story of um, one of my well covers around our house. It, it flew, it's like hard, quite heavy plastic, but it flew and it, it crashed into ground and it got shattered. Um, it's like that, but again, what's impressive is that the tree it's a quiet tree, it doesn't doesn't go there. They stay standing. And I share that because our lives are like that. You know, our lives are also full of you know bad weather days. You know, I mean, as well as some good days too. But there are many bad weather days. You know, if we attempt to survive and thrive off of you know how we fare on good days, uh, then we will crash. Uh, You know, whenever, you know, bad things happen, such as different sufferings and temptations and um, different struggles, you you will crash if we just rely on just experiences and feelings. But if we are well-rooted like the sequoia tree in the unchanging Word of God, and through that really getting to know Jesus, and commune with them and grow in our relationship with them. Then, only then, we can stay standing. In fact, we can thrive and bear fruits and actually help others, help other trees as well. And you see, that's why the the resurrected Jesus points to the scripture, not just, hey, look at me, look at me. No, he says, Go to scriptures. That's how you will live. So The scripture-based journey. And last uh, aspect and perhaps gift of the resurrection is this. The hopeful journey. The resurrected Jesus brings hope to us. Verse 33, it says, And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together so as soon as you know these two guys encounter the resurrection of Jesus and they, when they recognized them when they found out that he was alive indeed you know they jumped to their feet to jump to their feet and they run back to Jerusalem you know all the way from Emmaus um, I mean again we we established it's not that long of a walk, but will I, after getting to Lake Makaska to come back? Probably not, but as you can imagine, as you can tell here, they are excited. We we saw just a moment ago that their hearts were burning when Jesus was explaining the scriptures to them, but now that they have seen Jesus face-to-face as well, now their heart is about to explode they're just so overjoyed, so that this seven-mile journey must have felt like just few steps. The question I wanted to ask is, what changed these guys? Because we saw in the beginning that you know, they had this despair. They had this you know, gloom. They were sullen. And they were emotionally conversing with one another. What changed? the cause is that they have hope now you know before they thought their story ended on the cross all hope and dream were shattered in their mind but not so anymore um, you know depression uh, is a complex thing uh, it's, it's not easy to define and we should not be careless in uh, defining or Uh, suggesting any, uh, you know, cure. Uh, But one of my former counseling professors in seminary, he defined depression as being void of hope, being void of hope. What that means is when depression comes, you know, what we feel like is that we feel like there's no way out. There's no way forward. And there's no hope. That's how you feel. And that's one way to describe depression. And again, it's a complex thing, and that's why we need you know professional help uh, in, in some cases. So I don't, I don't want to, in any way, just jump to conclusion here. But what I want to point out here is that from the definition of being void of hope then, what we see in the story is that ultimately now, through the resurrection god is bringing a new narrative new story to our soul so that we see with the with the eyes of faith that there is a way forward that there is a way out because jesus rose again and just like that there is way forward beyond the grave and It will end gloriously, just like Jesus. C.S. Lewis, uh, in his novel, Chronicles of Narnia, he ends his saga uh, with these words. He says, he's describing the ending scene there, but these are his words. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them in the story, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been a cover and a title page. Now at least they were beginning chapter one of a great story which no one on earth has read which goes on forever in which every chapter is better than the one before there is a new story in our journey you know in Christ there are many storms still like we established earlier but we're moving through the storm there's way forward to heaven And just like Lewis says, in fact, that's not the ending in heaven. When we get to heaven, the story will actually start then. It will be just the beginning where, again, the chapter, next chapter will be better than the one before. Go on and on and on and on. We're going to be happier and happier and happier. More capacity to enjoy God. That's the trajectory of our story now because of the resurrection. So the resurrection of Jesus means that those who believe in Christ will also be raised to life with them. And we call that the union with Christ. Our fate is with him now. Just as he died, we die to sin. Just as he rose again, we rise again. Now spiritually, but eventually physically, our fate is bound up with his fate. And because Jesus is alive right now, Our hope also is living. It will never die. That's why 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just as he lives, we live. Totally new trajectory there new story glorious story there's always hope always way forward let me end with this story uh, for the next slide just i guess show you um for your reference uh, this lady's name is uh, fanny crosby and uh, she's a very famous uh, hymn writer uh, in the 1800s, and she wrote over 9,000 hymns. Very famous uh, writer. But as you can see in the picture, she was uh, blind. You know, she lost her sight as an infant. And here's a story about her um, from a devotional book that I found. It says Some people felt sorry for Fanny. So a well meaning, well intended preacher told her, I think it is a great pity that the great master, God, did not give you the sight when he showered so many other gifts upon you. But to that, she replied, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind? Because when I got to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my savior. You know, unfortunately the preacher in the story, you know, operated around the, the world the worldly narrative, the worldly story that says, What you have and what you don't have on earth is all there is. So when he saw her blindness, to him that was the dead end. End of the story. But to Fanny, to Fanny Crosby, she had the the resurrection narrative so that she knew, the, knew that her story would go beyond her physical blindness and even death and that it will extend all the way to heaven where, where she will be comforted, where she will now see every everything beautiful in heaven, in the world, and enjoy Jesus forever. What that means is that you know, her physical eyes might have been blind but she was her spiritual eyes were wide open to what was happening and what will happen to our life so the resurrection Jesus is seeking after us we're on a journey just like his two friends you know just as he approached these two friends he is approaching us in our journey we all have different journeys for sure But the the, the journey that he put us on, he approaches us, he cares for us, he heals us, and he gives us the scripture as a gift to get to know him, and especially to get to know this new storyline of hope. And through that, we live. Through that, we come alive. Through that, we live a life that is truly fulfilling and worthwhile. So on this Resurrection Sunday, as we again celebrate and get to know what resurrection means, may we grab hold of all these gifts and offers that Jesus gives to us and live in hope because he is alive. Let's spend some time um, in prayers before we sing this song and for the process uh, the Word of God. What we just heard is <clears throat> not just a um, just nice thing to hear, it's a nice thing to say uh, on Easter Sunday. Would you join with me right now striving to believe this word of God as the word of God that is living and active the one he promises these promises that is true if so Jesus is indeed approaching us right now in our journey being tender listening Asking us to share with them that he would heal us. Isn't that comforting? Because I know that we all have different burdens to carry. For some of us, maybe right now, there are just a couple of things in your mind that are really weighing you down. Maybe relationships many other problems in our lives. He is walking with us. And from there on, as we get to know Christ, as we get to know the new storyline, we see that there is hope. There is a way forward. Always. Let me say it again. That there's always way forward in Jesus. Can we trust that together? That's what the resurrection is all about. So let's take some take some time uh, on our own before we sing the song, but let's just really wrestle with God together in our prayers. Let me pray. remind us uh, how Luke is really concerned about um, being historical. Uh, maybe that helps some of us. Uh, that. That you may have some doubts about, you know, all that we're, you know, talking about here, uh, in the Bible. But for all of us, if this is true, oh my goodness, Jesus Christ, historically, factually, started breathing. And that's a breath of hope for us, because he's living because our destiny is bound up with them. There's nothing, there's nobody, nothing, no failure, no depth, no height can separate us from Christ. We are secure that our hope indeed is living how wonderful would it be as a church grow in more faith in more radical faith of all these truths how different our daily lives would be no more fear we just live abandoning ourselves live for God whatever it costs because God is already holding us as his own so let us delve into the scriptures week by week so that we will not lose the blessings of this weekend let's look to him as our hope and encourage one another to keep hoping reminding each other that our story always has a way forward. Let's pray. i just asking God to strengthen our hearts in light of these truths that we will rest in uh, all that we just heard. And uh, I'll close for us after that. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we surrender ourselves to you. We are sorry that we take ourselves too seriously and constantly push out who you are and you in our lives. When in fact, when you become our everything, there's freedom. So Lord, help us. Help us to know how loved we are. That your son would come down and die excruciating death for us. And in offering your help, you come to us gently, listening to us, giving us deep healing. God, many of us in this room If not all of us, we all have different wounds that we carry. But we look to you because you are walking with us. Uh, May we continue to walk uh, knowing that uh, our future is so bright based on the accomplished work of Christ and his resurrection. And from there on, give us changed hearts to grow to love each other. Because if it's all about you, not about us, why can we not love each other? All change us. But thank you for all the blessing that you have showered on us this weekend as we got to commemorate um, all these great foundational things of our belief. And uh, as we go on to celebrate uh, through the the fellowship, through meals, may you continue to bless this church. Uh, May be all about you. May we be satisfied and be joyful as we enjoy each other together. Thank you, God.